The Gist is brought to you by Citrix GoToMeeting. When meetings matter, millions choose GoToMeeting. Hold a meeting with anyone from the convenience of your computer, smartphone, or a tablet. Try it free for 30 days by visiting GoToMeeting.com and clicking the Try It Free button. That's GoToMeeting.com. Try it free. And by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses come with free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. Right now, get $50 towards any mattress by visiting casper.com slash gist and using the promo code gist. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Tuesday, September 22nd, 2015. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. So planned parenthood funding might shut down the government, might shut down Washington. That's looming. We're hurtling towards it. Those are the words they use. But you know what? We're going to get by, right? I remember the anarchy back in 2013 when human blood was traded as currency and Yellowstone National Park closed for two weeks. From then, I still own a piece of sirloin with the words branded on it. I survived the government shutdown and all I got was this non-USDA inspected meat. So I'm not really in fear of a shutdown. I don't fear for myself. But I am interested in what it would do to Planned Parenthood, the target of the current fight. Now, defunding Planned Parenthood, this will be the proximate cause of the shutdown. Now, the government doesn't and hasn't provided money for abortions, but we're talking or they're talking about zeroing out funding for all the stuff Planned Parenthood does provide, like medical screening and contraception and services, health services for many poor women. The argument being that all money is fungible. The counter argument that Planned Parenthood gives is no, we have a very precise accounting of what goes to abortion and what doesn't. We never use federal funding for abortion. I take them at their word, not because I'm naive, but because if they violated this, you're certain that their many opponents will be crawling all over them with a team of forensic pit bulls. However, I want to pursue just how fungible the abortion services portion of Planned Parenthood's structure, how fungible that money is. Joining me now is Emily Bazelon. She's a staff writer at New York Times Magazine. She's a third, some would say the best third, of the Slate Political Gab Fest. Hello, Emily. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. So, as I said, I'm going to take them at their word that they're not doing any chicanery per se about funds and abortion, but they're a nonprofit. They have a mission of providing these services. Does it stand to reason that if they get no money for everything else, they might very well redo the budget and it might turn out that they will just have less money for abortions if they want to have enough money to meet the needs of their clients who need other services? Well, I mean, I think essentially the answer is no, but let's break it down a little bit. So 40% about of Planned Parenthood's funding comes from the federal government. It's the biggest chunk in their pie. About 10% of clients receive abortion services and 3% of Planned Parenthood's overall services go into providing abortion. And as you said at the outset, the federal money, that 40% of the budget, does not go to the abortion services. It's separate. And so that's the argument that what Congress is doing in talking about defunding Planned Parenthood has essentially nothing to do with providing abortions. However, you know, in any organization, if you take away 40% of the money, that's going to change things. I mean, that's a huge bite out of their overall revenue stream. So I think that 
It is both true that this money doesn't go for abortions, and this is not a direct way of um, dealing with abortion provision, taking away this money. And at the same time, it's going to be a huge blow to Planned Parenthood to lose this money, which goes to mostly things like checking for STDs and contraception. I mean, the great irony here, if you are someone who thinks that it's a good idea to try to help women avoid situations in which they have abortions by increasing their access to birth control is that what Congress is really doing is talking about directly taking away women's access to contraception by defunding that aspect of what Planned Parenthood does. Right. So I know it's one question, one question only, but the confusing thing about your answer is you said you think no, but then you also conceded that you take away 40% of their budget, they're going to have to reprioritize. So is it really no? I mean, if you're if you're a congressman whose number one goal is to get Planned Parenthood to do fewer abortions, even two fewer abortions, might this get them to do a few fewer abortions? I mean, I don't think this is about reprioritizing. I think it's the, if you, <laughs> I guess one way to think about your question is if you have a big organization and 40% of the budget goes to one service, and you take it away, is the other service completely ineffective? In other words, like, is there no staff member that both answers the phone to, you know, screen for abortion patients and also screen for people asking for contraception? Well, surely in that sense, there's some kind of minimal overlap here. But because Planned Parenthood has to be incredibly scrupulous to make sure these federal funds do not go for abortions, they're probably is as bright a line between these kinds of services as like exists in any organization. In other words, this is like an incredibly indirect way of affecting women's access to abortion, which, by the way, is guaranteed by the United States Constitution. <laughs> yes, I read that once in an opinion that referenced penumbras. All right. So again, I know it's one question, one question only, but I'm going to ask the last question. So then you're saying it would not surprise you should this total defunding to go through, whether that shuts down the government or not, if we look at one abortion clinic that's normed for whatever else is going on societally, it wouldn't surprise you if the number of abortions in that Planned Parenthood clinic does not go down the year after they're totally defunded. I think that's right. I mean, it could go down in some minimal way, as we were talking about. But yeah, not really. What's going to go down is the access that low-income women have to STD testing and birth control and, you know, screening for breast cancer. You know, the other thing I want to say about this is that the notion... So so why why is Congress doing this? Because Congress knows what I'm, what we're talking about, right? Like, they're they're not dumb, or at least one hopes they're not dumb. And um, Or enough of them aren't dumb to make up for the dumb ones, yes. Exactly. What's really going on here is a push to isolate abortion services. And this is a battle that's been fought since Roe versus Wade in the 1970s, this question of, is abortion going to be part of mainstream medicine and part of comprehensive health care for women? Is it going to be something that most... OBGYNs and some family practice doctors do and that hospitals do, just like part of normal health care? Or is it going to be off to one side in clinics that are isolated, that only do this, and that are really easy to protest and which unfortunately have been the targets of real violence? 
And to me, that's really what's at stake here. It's about this question of whether abortion is just going to be part of the normal run of American medicine, which it, it, it's not. I mean, I, <laughs> I think we're not in that position today. But if we take away uh, federal funding for low-income women from Planned Parenthood, we're moving a step closer to truly isolating it. Emily Bazelon, senior writer, New York Times Magazine, Political Gab Fest, mainstay. Thanks, Emily. Thanks so much. On the show today, I spiel about a governor who shut down his ambitions for higher office. But first, Johnny Coppersocks. You know the tale of Johnny Coppersocks? You sing his song, don't you? Oh, you don't? You don't know of Johnny Coppersocks, who wore life and foot-affirming copper in his socks? Well, listen here as we play Is That Bullshit? Think about time, think about money, think about hassle, think about toucans. Okay, don't think about toucans. You're wasting your time. It's causing you a hassle. It's costing you money. My recommendation, not on the toucan thing, the other thing, meet your clients and coworkers online with Citrix Go to Meeting because it's the smarter way to meet. You can get your team, who, wherever they are, let's say the Amazon inspecting fauna, aviary fauna, doesn't matter. They could have a meeting with GoToMeeting from any computer, tablet, or smartphone. No travel expenses, no hassle of traffic. You could just click a link. There's none of that sign up and all that stuff. You turn on your webcam with HD quality. It's like being in the same room. You can share screens. You can present and get feedback in real time. Because with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing so your team could get on the same page and get going. I would like you to try GoToMeeting today. Try it free for 30 days. There really is nothing to lose. Visit gotomeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, do it now and have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's gotomeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. And now we play another round of Is That Bullshit, wherein we put scientific claims to the test. I'm joined, as always, by Maria Konnikova, the author of The Confidence Game and mastermind How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. Hello, Maria. Hello, Mike. And today, what we're going to do is channel a gangster flick from the 1930s and say, take that, copper, because we're going to test the claims about copper. People who like copper really like copper. Not a lot of people on the fence about copper. You won't find people who are lukewarm about copper. People either don't give a damn about copper or it's all about copper. So the copperheads, which is not, not just a snake, but the people who love the copper, what do they say about copper? Copper has been a magical element for centuries. It really is magical. Yes. So the Aztecs uh-huh. used copper. They thought that it would um, kind of soothe your sore throat and mm. really cure all sorts of maladies. In some ancient civilizations, they used copper to clean water. They thought that copper pipes and putting copper and stuff would actually infuse your water mm-hmm. with healing properties. And today, you will see a lot of people wearing copper bracelets, for instance, especially people with arthritis. They say that somehow the aura of the copper helps their arthritic pain and helps them become better human beings. Sounds like you're putting this on the on the same level as, you know, crystal pyramids. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't want to don't want to step on the conclusion. But yes, aura, chakra, copper. And there are people who will be wearing 
clothing with copper because they think like that what like woven lace, in woven mm-hmm. in even socks yeah. with copper and there are all sorts of claims for these that range from things like this has great antibacterial properties and sure. so you know you're it's going to reduce the chance of infection to it's going to cure ulcers and in the case of socks, athlete's foot, and it goes to an even further level that says if you wear clothing with copper, it will enhance your general well-being because it has a positive ion kind of energy. Ion. Ion's a thing. And That's a science ions are, thing. Ions are a thing, yeah. yes. Um, and that it releases energy and kind of makes you a happier human being who's more fulfilled. And what about the arthritis? Is there... Because this is where yes. I see them the yes, most. Yes, yes, yes. So that's yeah. the copper bracelets. Yeah. Um, so what's the claim there? How does... So the claim there, doctors were a little bit skeptical of because patients... And this has been going on not just today, but the copper bracelets for arthritis goes back at least 100 years. Mm-hmm. And people believe that it actually helps ease the arthritic pain. Because this claim has been around for so long, and a lot of people with arthritis are really in terrible pain, this has actually been tested. Unlike a lot of the claims about copper, we have direct evidence um, where people decided to give people with arthritis different bands to put on their wrists. Some were copper. Um, Some were demagnetized but looked like copper. Mm -hmm. Others were kind of in between. So basically, you you put a bunch of stuff on your hand and you see what happens with pain. And in multiple studies, there were absolutely no differences. So... But for the placebo effect, I'm sure. I'm sure, but there was not even in this particular thing. I'm guessing that everyone had the placebo effect because everyone thought that they were wearing a copper bracelet, or no one did. Um, But there were just no differences at all between the groups. Yeah. Um, So nothing above and beyond placebo. How about socks? What about the athletes? (laughs) So this was developed by a guy who has a company who sells copper things, like socks with copper woven in easy to put on and fit in any shoe and they're machine washable copper releases positive ions to promote health and wellness i recommend miracle copper socks to my patients to help relieve pain and swelling of the foot i'm always on my feet so now i tried he claims that you don't even have to change these socks because because they have such wonderful antimicrobial properties i think i was next to copper socks guy at the gym the other day (laughs) (laughs) So I believe it's either the founder or one of his friends who has worn the same pair of socks for two years without Uh washing. So he goes, you know, plays a round of golf then takes them off, leaves them, lets them do their antimicrobial magic and then puts them back on. So those claims are that no athlete's foot, no smell, that it will kill odors. And if you have diabetic ulcers, those are going to be cured. Oh, yeah. I've heard that, yeah. On the surface, there are certain things about it that make sense. Oh, okay. For instance, copper does have amazing antimicrobial properties. Um, That's been known for a really long time. And so those Greeks who were trying to use copper, they weren't full of shit when they said it probably cleaned their water. Probably no magical healing properties, Mm -hmm. but it does kill microbes really effectively. Is it because of ions? People don't really know why copper has such good... We always credit the ions, but we can never really nail it. Um, Let's say it's the ions. Okay, sure. (laughs) 
I'm happy to say it's the ions, but I'm probably going to get some some blowback from scientists. Exactly. The neutron um, crowd. You'll hear from that. <laughs> so, so it does have amazing antimicrobial properties. However, if you look at scientists who 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 look at this these socks and you know say that those have antimicrobial properties, well, we're not actually sure because that's a very different form of copper and no one has tested directly. It might we don't know how much copper you need. You don't know, you know, how much surface area needs to happen because this isn't like you're not wearing copper socks. Yeah. You're wearing regular socks right. with some copper woven copper. in. And honestly, it might have certain antibacterial properties, but we don't antimicrobial properties, but no one's tested it directly. So we have no idea if it works the same way. So I, I think I should buy a pair of copper socks and wear them for a day, 24 hours, and then, and then we'll have our answer. Sure. Right now, we're going to jump into the future. The next voice you hear is going to be Mike from the future doing a smell test. First of all, I didn't wear them in the gym, but I did wear them last night, today, all afternoon, taping this towards evening, dusk. They don't smell great. <laughs> they, they honestly don't smell that great. In fact, I'm not going to say they smell as bad as my feet usually do. They smell decidedly worse. Not horrible, but worse. Back to you, Maria from the past. The reason I think that people think of it as such a magical thing is we need copper. We actually eat copper, and copper deficiencies are really bad. There are traces of copper in a lot of the foods we eat. And if you don't have enough copper, we store copper in our liver. But if we don't have enough, we start breaking down the copper in our liver. And when that's gone, you can actually have serious health problems, especially if you're pregnant. You need to really make sure you have sufficient levels of copper. So copper really is essential to us, but ingested, not worn on. On our outside. What's the best way to ingest copper? So a lot of the foods that we eat regularly have copper. A lot of seafood has copper. If you're one of the people who is still following the kale craze rather than the anti-kale, kale is going to kill me craze. Um, so if you're still eating kale. I'm on the kale train, baby. If you're on the kale, kale train. Kale colored greens. Yeah, good, yeah. good. Because that is... That's right. That's Leafy actually... Greens. That's Carbonzo good for you. Whereas the anti-kale trail it yeah. might be a little bit bullshit. Yeah. Um, not saying segment. it. Um, but so if you're still on the kale train, that has a good amount of copper. A lot of nuts have copper. Sesame seeds. Good. Mushrooms. Good. So a lot of the things that you eat on a daily basis are going to have a good amount of copper in it. That one guy's socks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Eat those. Yep. yep. Cool. Um, it works on things like contraception when really? you put it inside your body. And? So when you put in your IUD, you basically it's a natural spermicide, just like it's an antimicrobial agent. So it kills a lot of sperm. And it also changes kind of the lining so that it's more difficult for a fetus to implant. Um, and so doctors actually, once again, are not quite sure why it works. Hmm. Is it one or, or the other? Or is it something else, some other uh, variable? But it works remarkably well as a contraceptive. Again, though, this is iron in its pure form inside your body, yeah. not copper woven into your clothing. Okay, let's take them one by one. Copper, the miraculous, and I'm looking at the As Seen on TV product, Miracle Copper Socks, anything miraculous about putting copper on you, in your clothes, on your joints, anything like that. Is that bullshit? As far as we know, that's bullshit, yes. Ingesting copper. 
some benefits. Is that bullshit? We can't eat too much, just like we shouldn't eat too much vitamin A, but we do need a good amount of copper to survive. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game and Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. She is also, we can announce here on our show, marketing the first copper condom. Thank you, Maria. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. You, you stole my thunder. <laughs> yeah. So mattresses can cost $1,500, but a Casper mattress costs between $500 for a twin, $600 for a twin XL, up to $950 for a king-size mattress. But it combines premium foam and latex foam. It's just a better mattress, and you can try it risk-free with free deliveries and a 100-day return policy. Listen, you know all the stuff about Casper. I often list this stuff. Forget that. Forget all this stuff on the sheet. I'm going to interview someone who bought a Casper mattress. It's Andrea Salenzi. Why'd you do it? We needed a new mattress. Uh-huh. But it was a difficult decision to make. Our doorman made fun of us. Why? Because everyone's going Casper? Yeah, he's like, you guys got one of those hipster mattresses. Hipster mattresses. But, you know, the hip people are sometimes right. I mean, with the 100-day return policy. So how's it going for you? Well, my dog loves it, Mike. <laughs> That's important. I can't get her to stop jumping on the bed. <laughs> Did you get $50 off by going to Casper.com slash gist? Yes, I did. Did you put in gist? Yeah, I did. Oh, of all the shows to put Dan in. Dan Savage, when he bought his Casper mattress, forgot his promo code. Your producer remembered her promo code. That's casper.com slash gist. Insert that promo code and you get $50 off any mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. And now the spiel, Walker won't run. Five things impressed me about how Scott Walker bowed out of the presidential race. Now, I want to make clear, none of what impressed me about Scott Walker were any of his policy proposals. But I will say this, he struck me as serious. By leaving so early, I came to the conclusion that he was in this race for the reasons that he said he was in this race, not for other reasons, not to increase his speaking fees. He thought he'd be a good president, and he thought he could win that job. When it became clear he couldn't, he got out. I'm looking at you, Jindal, Christie, Huckabee, Santorum. Do I even have to say Pataki and Gilmore? I just listed those guys who are still running. I think they're running to burnish their brands, maybe to give Libby Pataki a little alone time. But my God, Christie and Jindal, you are like Walker. You're both currently governors. You have a state to run. Stop this charade. Chris Christie, you shut down a multi-billion dollar Hudson River tunnel project. Plug up your selfish pipe dream. Now notice, I didn't list Rand Paul or Lindsey Graham as one of those guys who needs to get out. Because while they don't have a chance to win, I say, A, they're senators, easier job than governors. But B, they're also trying to advance an idea, like a philosophy. Rand Paul's libertarianism, Lindsey Graham's idea that we need troops on the ground. And I think that there's something to that. I will allow them, because I am now the god of who gets to run and who doesn't, but I will allow them to pursue pretending to run for president really in the guise of getting your ideas out there. But at least half a dozen of the other candidates have proved to be less serious than Scott Walker. Reason two, I'm impressed with Scott Walker leaving the race. He did call out a truly depressing tendency of the current race, and that is the fact that everyone's so damn depressing. I believe that I'm being called to lead by helping to clear the field in this race so that a positive conservative message can rise to the top of the field. He is right. Ted Cruz said the Supreme Court is engaged in judicial tyranny. Trump, oh God, Trump, here we go. I want to make the country great again. This country is a hellhole. It's a hellhole. 
And the Iran deal's gonna kill us all. Hey, maybe the Iran deal's already killed us all and we're just dream zombies, which is why we need ID in the voting booth. No, but seriously, Scott Walker wasn't Tony Little or Leo Biscaglia or the ShamWow guy. I don't actually need a candidate who's peppy, 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 but just rein in the apocalyptic palaver people. Not only is it inaccurate, it's not helping Republicans win. So I'm impressed that Scott Walker said that. Also, this doesn't actually impress me, but it would impress me if I were a stalwart Republican. He did say, we just heard him say that he was leaving to clear the field. He plainly wants a fellow establishment figure to beat back the upstarts like Trump and Fiorina and Carson. Now, you could argue that he's saying he's withdrawing for the good of the party, that it's just a face-saving way to recast a surrender as a retreat for a higher purpose. You could say that, but... He is retreating, right? He's not prattling on about the time he told the substitute teacher to shut up. Oh, and by the way, let's pursue the Christie and Walker comparison a little bit more. Both of these guys go on and on and on about how they fought the unions. The difference is Scott Walker won. Now, the third thing that impresses me about Scott Walker leaving is that his supporters redefined the word smattering. The announcement that he was leaving, you heard it, we're going to play a little more. The applause you're about to hear pushes the lower boundary, the known lower boundary of the word smattering. It flirts with stray or even a lone clapper. But according to the Applause Institute, which certifies all applause on the scale from smattering to ovation with gradations of thunderous, uproarious, and sustained, it was a smattering. This now is the minimal definition of smattering. Let's listen. With this in mind, I will suspend my campaign immediately. I encourage other Republican presidents... Do you hear that? Do we need to enhance that? Anyway, I'm impressed with that. I'm also impressed that Walker made this decision in September. It impresses me that I need to start putting a grain of salt in the argument that it's still early, that we need to take these early polls and whoever's leading with a grain of salt. Scott Walker, a guy who once led in Iowa, doesn't think it's too early to leave. The fifth thing that impressed me is that this really shows the power of money. Walker raised tens of millions of dollars. His pack still has millions of dollars in it. But it wasn't $100 million like Jeb or Ted Cruz. And he doesn't have a personal vault. And he doesn't want to be saddled with debt from the campaign. So he actually made a fiscally prudent decision. That's kind of impressive. Pretty sad for everyone else, including democracy, that you got to be a multimillionaire to run, or you got to be in the pockets of multimillionaires, or you got to have access to Libby Pataki's good China, should they need to hock it. But I say good on Scott. So in summary, I, a person who would never vote for Scott Walker, congratulates him on ending his campaign. I never liked his campaign, his campaign in the pursuit of holding a job I hope he wouldn't get. I'm sure none of this in any way bucks up Scott Walker, puts wind in his sails. You play this spiel for him, he's not going to be much happier tomorrow than he was today. You know, it kind of reminds me of when in The Godfather 2, Tom Hagen convinces Frankie Pentageli to commit suicide for the good of the Republic. I'm acknowledging that. I'm just being honest. I hope you're impressed. That's it for today's show. Andrea Salenzi is piloting her own TV show. It's about crime-fighting FIFA detectives who wear hosieries with rejuvenative properties. Soccer cops and copper socks, it's called, and it is a mess. Executive producer Andy Bowers is recording a musical trio who sing the songs of Russian horsemen while they feel bliss in their feet. Look for copper socks and Kazakh pop in stores. 
Probably never. The gist with my trading advice of the day. Short sell American Standard. Short sell Kohler. Sell your crapper stocks. Oomperu, Peru, Du Peru, and thanks for listening.